Hi, this is Billy Briscoe from the Briscoe Group, a minority-owned firm founded right here in Houston. Stuck in a business dispute, injured at work, a bad auto accident. We're standing by day and night ready to fight for you. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team. Schedule a free consultation at thebriscoelawfirm.com. Call us at 713-752-2600. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team. Because every client matters. to begin a series of sermons from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118 entitled Anthems to the Lamb. Anthems to the Lamb. I don't know about you, but when I read the scripture, and I don't know why I haven't thought about it, I haven't really given it much thought, but whenever I read the Bible, particularly the New Testament, I never picture Jesus singing. When you read the pages of the New Testament, he's healing, he's walking on water, he's preaching, He's teaching, but we never hear of Jesus singing. But Psalm 113 through Psalm 118 is the music that Jesus and his disciples sang on the eve of his crucifixion. The scripture says they sung a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. We don't hear much of Jesus singing, but what he did sing came from the book of Psalms. Jean Rebeck, Jean Rebeck in the 16th century lost his tongue physically and irrecoverably. This loss of his tongue, this loss he suffered was not through carelessness or through disease, but at the hand of Roman Catholic bishops, hell-bent on stopping him from singing. This 16th century brutal form of punishment went beyond Rebeck's choral capabilities to matters more spiritual, specifically his Huguenot connections to Protestantism, for which he would shortly, after his tongue being cut out, he would shortly be burned at the stake. This might make this total glossectomy seem a pointless procedure save for the fact that when Protestant martyrs went to their death by being burned at the stake, 
they went to their deaths singing and spectators turned into congregations and joined the dying Christians in their final doxology. Rebeck, however, with his tongue cut out, could not be silenced. He would sing without his tongue, even if his words were unrecognizable, and he kept singing until the flames overcame him. In the fourth century, Theodore the recruit died for his Christian faith, singing from Psalm 33 and Psalm 34. They tore most of his flesh in pieces, but he was singing as if somebody else was undergoing the torture. In 19th century Scotland, John Baird and Andrew Hardy were hanged and beheaded singing Psalm 51 and Psalm 103. In the last 24 hours of his life, Jesus sang from the Egyptian Hallel Psalms consisting of, consisting of Psalms 113 through Psalm 118. Two of his last sayings on the cross and all of his citations from scripture as he hung abandoned by his disciples came from Psalm 22 and Psalm 31. Dr. N.T. Wright, chair of New Testament and early Christianity at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland, calls the book of Psalms the original hymn book. In the 16th century, listen brothers and sisters, in the 16th century, Jean Rebeck lost his tongue but kept his song. Today, we keep our tongue but lose our song. And I submit that the reason lies in the difference between apprehension and comprehension. It is quite possible to apprehend a concept without comprehending its application. Simply put, there's a difference between reciting the 23rd Psalm and knowing the shepherd. Um, on the eve of his crucifixion, the scriptures say they sung a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives, a stone's throw from the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he sings with them, he plants a song in their hearts and in ours that will never fade. In this series of messages, brothers and sisters, from Psalm 113 through Psalm 118, I wish to enliven the fellowship that Jesus offers to himself and to his disciples. In Psalm 113, the call to worship, 
praise the Lord. The call to worship is not universal. It does not go out to the whole earth. But the call goes out to people gathered out of the world and in to the service of the living God. Brothers and sisters, hear me. The call to worship is not a call to imaginative engagement with an unknown God. But this God has a name. And his name proclaims his character and defines how we ought to interact and engage with him when we come to church. Therefore, Neither manufactured joy nor contrived solemnity can be the wellspring of our praise. The highest service, the highest service in which intelligent creatures can engage is the praise of the living God. Praise is not verbal laudation however enthusiastic in feeling, appropriate in language or transporting in music. Because praise not being loud and laudatory and enthusiastic, that happened at Minute Maid Park last night. That happens when the Texans play. People paint their face the color of the colors of the football team or the baseball team or they put wigs on or they put they take their shirts off or they're outside uh, barbecuing and and uh, tailgating that's that's enthusiastic laudatory noise over a football or baseball team but Altuve didn't put me to sleep last night uh, no football team, no basketball team is going to put food on my table. I come to church this morning with loud, verbal, auditory noise because the Bible says, let everything. I wish I had help to preach here. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so and if God has been good to you say so um, when I was when, when my the, the last four of us were growing up in uh, Eunice where I'm from my cousin Julia lived here in Houston on St. Charles Street over there by St. John Church on Darling. Well, Emancipation Park now, y'all don't let them change the name of that street from, from Darling to Emancipation Parkway. But Julia used to live on St. Charles Street around the corner from St. John Church and she would come to Eunice and we would pick her up uh, at the Trailways bus station. You gotta be over 40 to know something about the Continental Trailways. And uh, we would go to the bus station and pick Julie up at the Continental bus station, Trailways bus station, and she'd come to our house. And it would not be long before uh, Wanky, Gwen, Johnny, and I would stand in line because we knew Julia was going to give us a quarter. 
And that might not sound like much right now, but 1968, 1970, 1965, you could buy two moon cookies, some now and laters, Long John's and Mary Jane, and have enough left for some red soda water. And so we would get in line by age, waiting for Julia to give us a quarter. And when Julia would put that quarter in our hands, my mama would look at each one of us and say, now what you gonna say? Cause she taught us when somebody does something for you that they don't have to do, what you gonna say? And every one of us had to say loudly, thank you. God woke you up this morning. What you going to say? God healed your body. What you going to say? God helped you raise your children by yourself. What you going to say? God made a way out of no way. What you going to say? Yeah. Before, I, before I get into this little sermon, you have my permission right now, right in the middle of my preaching, that if you're sitting in a dead section, if you're sitting with some folk who look like they don't feel like being in church, you have my permission right now to get up and find you another seat. Matter of fact, you ought to tell the people sitting next to you, if you don't like noise, you better go sit somewhere else. Because I'm about to cut up here this morning. If, if, if I'm making too much racket, you might want to go find you another section. Because I got some prayers I need God to answer. I got some doors I need God to open. I got some tears I need God to dry. So I'm fit to make some noise. And if it's too noisy for you, go sit somewhere else. If it don't take all of that for you, speak for yourself. It takes all of that for me. Yeah. There are... There are... Um, There are, there are two propositions in the text which human reason can never unite. And it's in verse 5 and verse 6. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high who looks far down on the heavens and the earth. Who is like the Lord our God? The resolution which must come from God himself shows that these two verses, five and six, are not in contradistinction, but in perfect harmony. 
God and man meet in the resolution in John 3.16. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now brothers and sisters as I hurry, if you would worship this morning, you must have a telescopic view of God. You must view God from the lens of a telescope. A telescope is a device used to observe distant objects by their emission, absorption, or reflection. Who is like the Lord our God? This truncated question may well be unanswerable, but there is no point in trying to answer that question without first asking, what is the Lord like? Let me see if I can talk about him a minute. He is inconceivable in greatness. He is infinite in superiority. He is matchless in goodness and unequaled in majesty. He is so amazing in condescension that sinless and unpolluted cherubim and seraphim are far beneath him in perfection. He is infinite. He's never anxious about an uncertain future, nor straining after greater knowledge of a mysterious universe. He's never conscious of weakness, nor yearning for increased vitality. He's never a touch morose, nor is he moderately joyful. He inhabits a, domin a dominion that is undiscoverable and unexplained. Outside, beginning and ending, making human vocabulary inadequate to chart the limits of his being. He is content in himself, dwelling in unimaginable beauty and brilliance so that even galaxies and constellations stammer and stutter to declare the essential glory of his wonderful presence. He's Earth's creator, Adam's father, Jacob's savior, Israel's keeper, Judah's ruler. He is the gracious lawgiver the long-suffering lover of our souls and the faithful guardian over a thousand generations. He's the unblinded judge and the great king over all the earth. He's Adam's redeemer, Abel's vindicator, Abraham's sacrifice, 
Noah's ark, Moses' bush on fire, Joshua's battle axe, Gideon's fleece, Samson's power, David's music, Solomon's wisdom. He's a bomb in Gilead. He's a wheel in the middle of a wheel. He's a lily of the valley. He's a rose of Sharon. He's a bright and the morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 angels. Somebody ought to help me preach here a minute. Distinctive in supernatural capacity. Superlative in sovereign majesty. Exclusive in spiritual beauty. Radiant in eternal splendor. Matchless in supernal deity. He's the God of gods. The prince of princes. The fairest of 10,000. Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. A rock in a weary land. Bridge over troubled water. That's who he is. Telescopically. Yeah. If you would worship God, you must look at him through the lens of a telescope. But if you would reverence God, you've got to look at him through the lens of a microscope. He is high above the heavens. That's a telescopic view. But he humbles himself to come see about me. That's a microscopic view. Oh. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I almost left this out of my, 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 my word. God is so high that he has to look down to see what's going on in heaven. He's not just high, he's so high, he got to stoop to see what's going on in heaven. My elders down in Louisiana said it like this, he's so high, you can't get over him. He's so low, you can't get under him. He's so wide, you can't go around him. So you've got to come in at the door. If you would worship, you must look at him through a telescopic lens. But if you would reverence, you've got to look at him through a microscope. We are tempted, brothers and sisters, to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Because Shakespeare in Act 2, scene 2 of Hamlet says, what a piece of work is man. How noble in reason, how infinite in faculty. In form, in movement, how express, how admirable. In action, how like an angel. In apprehension, how like a god. 
That's a, that's a telescopic view of man. But a microscopic view of man is in Psalm number eight. What is man that you're so mindful of him? And the son of man that you would even visit him. You've made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. A telescopic view of God helps us to worship, but a microscopic view of God helps us to reverence. Listen to this. His eye is upon every hour of my existence. His spirit is intimately present with my every thought. His inspiration gives birth to every purpose within me. His hand impresses a direction on every footstep of my walking. Every breath I inhale is drawn by an energy that must come from God. And what God is doing for me He's doing with the 6,603,000 people in the metropolitan Houston area, the 29,950,000 people in the state of Texas, 331,900,000 people in the United States, 7,837,000,000 people in the world, all at the same time and he never forgets one of our telephone numbers. He can go see about you in Sugarland and take care of somebody else in Clear Lake, stop over in Humble, come to my house on Tier Wester and never leave his seat on the throne. He bats his eye and a volcano erupts. A breath from his nostrils and a hurricane blows. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet that the birds hush their singing, but that same God can speak and destroy a whole continent. That's why when you come in the presence of God on Sunday morning, Leave your ego in the car. Check your education at the door. Put your self-importance in your purse. Because when you come in here, ain't nobody nothing here but God. Have I got a witness here? I don't care how important you think you are. I know it was Prairie View's homecoming last, uh, this past Saturday, and I know Grambling's homecoming is coming up, and TSU had their homecoming the other day, and you had your colors on, but I got my colors on this morning. My heart is filled with the praise of the living God. His banner is over me because God is protecting and providing and making a way for me and as much as you holler for your team or your favorite ball player you ought to holler for the one who gave you strength two bits four bits six bits a dollar 
all for Jesus. Stand up and hug. If he made a way, tell him thank you. If he brought you out, give him the glory. If he's comforted you in your sorrow, tell him thank you. Praise the Lord. Uh, that's a that's a telescopic view of God. That'll help you worship. A microscopic view of God will help your reverence. But if you want to praise God, you need a kaleidoscopic view of God. A telescope will help you see God far off. A microscope will help you see God up close. But a kaleidoscope will help you see God in many colors. In many shapes, in many dimensions. In other words, what you praising him for doesn't necessarily have to be what I'm praising him for because the way he deals with you is not perhaps the way he deals with me, but because he deals with either one of us ought to help us pray. Because he didn't have to wake any of us up this morning. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is the Lord's faithfulness towards us. If you're going to praise God this morning, put your telescope down because you're never going to be able to see all that God is. If you're going to praise God this morning, put your microscope down because you don't know what God is to somebody else. So if you're going to really praise God this morning, pick up your kaleidoscope and see God in all kinds of different shapes in all kinds of different colors because God has done something for you when you are a child that's different from what he's doing for you right now. I wish I had somebody to help me close. When I was a boy growing up in my little church at home, we used to laugh and make fun of the prayers of the old people who would get down on their knees because they would pray the same prayers every Sunday morning. We'd go home and I'd get some old eyeglasses and put them on and, and Johnny was my deacon and Winky and Gwen were my ushers and we would play like we were Richard Walker on our knees praying because he prayed the same prayer every Sunday morning and so we learned how to pray that prayer after him because we were children playing church. He would say, Lord, here I am. 
knee bent and body bowed with my head bowed to mother's dust and my heart lifted through the throne of grace I can still hear him saying now thank you that the bed I laid in was not my cooling board and he never would say cover he said kiver and the kivers that I wrapped myself in were not my winding sheet he said Lord I want to thank you for a reasonable portion of my health and strength we used to play those prayers when we were children but now that all of us are over 60 in my family I don't play when I'm praying now I'm saying Lord here I am once more and again knee bent and body bowed thank you that the bed I laid in was not my cooling board and and the kivers that I wrapped myself in were not my winding sheet but I really tell God thank you for a reasonable portion of my health and strength I could have been dead sleeping in my grave but you kept me all night last night and then you woke me up early this morning clothed and in my right mind and I came to this house this morning to lift my hands to open my mouth to give God some praise because the Bible says from the rising of the sun you're going to help me close this won't you to the going down of the same he's worthy worthy to be praised you're going to help me close this won't you while they were praising them him in Japan they were asleep in New York and when they woke up in New York we were sleeping here in Houston when we woke up here in Houston they were sleeping over in California when they woke up in California they were still sleeping in Hawaii while they were sleeping in Hawaii they were waking up in India while they were waking up in India they were still sleeping in Africa while they were sleeping in Africa they were waking up in Australia when they woke up in Australia they were waking up in Antarctica when they woke up in Antarctica they were still sleeping in Russia while they were sleeping in Russia they were still awake in Japan when they woke up in Japan it came back to New York it came back to New York and we woke up here in Houston when we woke up here in Houston they were sleeping in California while they were sleeping in California they were waking up in Hawaii when they woke up in Hawaii they were still sleeping in India when they were sleeping in India they were waking up in South Africa when they woke up in South Africa they were sleeping in Antarctica when they woke up in Antarctica they were still sleeping in Russia while they were sleeping in Russia it came back to Japan one more time while they were sleeping in Japan they started waking up in New York when they were waking up in New York we were still sleeping in Houston 
while we were sleeping in Houston they were sleeping in California all I'm trying to say is from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same he's worthy hey, worthy to be praised praise him in the morning praise him in the noonday praise him in the evening praise him in the midnight hour praise him for his goodness praise him for his excellent work praise God for all he's done for you if the Lord opened doors for you praise his name if the Lord been good to you praise his name if the Lord put money in your pocket shoes on your feet clothes on your back I wish I had a witness here if the Lord put a roof over your head gave you a job in the morning if the Lord saved your soul now would be a good time to tell God thank you praise the Lord 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 praise him praise him praise him praise him praise him praise him he's been so good praise him he's been so kind praise him he's been so merciful praise him he's been so loving praise him he's been a good god praise him he's been a father he's been a mother he's been a sister he's been a brother praise him praise him praise him if somebody's next to you and they're not praising God don't let that stop you from telling God thank you praise him praise him from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same he's worthy he's worthy I know he's alright much to be grateful for I've got so much to be thankful for is there anybody here 
got so much to praise God for. Tell him thank you for all you've done for me. Thank you. You were born in Bethlehem. Thank you. You healed the sick. Thank you that one Friday on a hill called Calvary, he died, didn't he die? But early Sunday morning, he got up from the grave. If you want to know what we going to be doing when we get to heaven, let me tell you what we going to be doing when we get to heaven. We're going to be praising in the morning, praising all day long. Since that's what we're going to do, let's start practicing how to praise it right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know he's alright. I'm through. I'm through. But I should have been dead. According to the doctors at MD Anderson, I ought to be in my grave this morning. But thank you, Jesus. I'm in Lily Grove's pulpit testifying today. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. I'm through now. But here's my last testimony. Now unto him who is able. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all. You can even ask, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Shake somebody's hand. Tell them, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he fix it? Won't he turn it around? I know he's all right.
about Jesus and all he's done for me. Think about Jesus and how he set me free. I'll be saying. Think about Jesus and all he's done for me. Think about Jesus, how he set me free. people who have authority to praise God are the people who belong to him. <laughs> 